podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Welcome to the Fabio Pan Podcast. Way, way indeed. Uh, pod four, foo? Pod four two six. That's a solid opening five minutes from me there. Pod four two six, and it's the pod of uh, the Southampton game. We won two one on the south coast. Wilf, last minute winner. If you'd asked me to script it, I couldn't have scripted it any better. Um, and to join me to talk about that is Jack Pierce. Jack, welcome back. Thanks, JD. Yeah, week off and. Uh... Would rather talk about a win than a nil-nil at home to lead. So thanks for the uh, for the squad rotation. <laughs> no problem whatsoever. Uh, and Dom Firefield is also here. Dom, great to have you back on the pod. How are you doing? Fine, thanks, Jim. How are you? <laughs> I'm okay. I'm always okay. It's good to have you back on. Um, we'll be getting into that Southampton game in a bit. Not many pods left, guys. Final few pods of the season. What, well, Jack? What are you going to do? Uh, haven't Some work. Really thought, probably. Haven't, I was going to say I haven't really thought that far ahead. We've got a few to go. We've got, you know, We've got I've, a few. Yeah, I mean, I like to leave decisions to the last minute. So, <laughs> talk, talk to me after the Villa game. Oh no, the Everton game. Oh, we're fine. We've got loads of games to talk about. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. I think as well. I like. I think uh, we should maybe make some plans for some summary pods. We'll do. We'll do some. We'll do some interval pods during the summer or something, and uh, themed pods or something. We'll, we'll keep. We'll keep ourselves ticking over somehow because uh, I'm sure, sure people will be desperate to hear our voices throughout the summer. What, what are they going to do? Get out of the FYK. Both seasons only a fortnight this year, anyway, so you'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there you go. Exactly. Oh, it'll be like we never went away. Um, right. Before we get on to uh, this week's episode, can we get a shout out? Well, a drum roll for a shout out to random patron, please. Oh, it carries on, JD, mate. The cracking start to this pod. I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I need a preseason. Um, it's Bryn Roberts. Hey, Bryn. Hello, Bryn. Bryn. Thanks for joining the Patreon. You can get all the rewards like Bryn, including post-match podcasts. Been quite a few of those recently with those midweek games. Uh, Patreon-only merchandise. Uh, a new run is being sorted out right now. Um, and access to the Discord club, which is always busy and friendly on match days at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash F-Y-P podcast. Quick shout out for issue 63 of One More Point Fanzine, which is out this week against Watford. Chris Lehman, the editor, says uh, it's not the cup final issue he was hoping for, but still a positive look back over what's been a memorable season and a celebration of the best fan base in football. Well said, Chris. That'll be available for just £2 outside the ground on Saturday or £3 mail order, which you can get by messaging Chris uh, uh, at twitter.com slash one 
more point one, which is confusing Twitter handle. One more point, O-N-E-M-O-R-E-P-O-I-N-T, one, the number one. There you go. I'm sure you'll find him on there. It'll be fine. Um, really quick admin for some of my solo shows come up. That's okay, guys. So you guys can, you can go and make a cup of tea or something if you want for a second. Um, <laughs> Brighton Fringe, Sunday, May the 29th, 4.15pm at the Caxton Arms. I'm doing my solo show again. Did it last year. It's back this year and even better, kind of. Um, and it's £5 a ticket from brightonfringe.org. Oxford Comedy Festival. Not done that before, but I'm looking forward to that on... Friday, July 22nd at 7.30pm at the James Street Tavern. Uh, tickets are at oxfordcomedyfestival.co.uk. That should be uh, should be fun. Really good lineup of other acts there as well. If you are Oxford-based, do get down to see some of those other um, acts. But do come and see me as well, please. Um, and then, oh, that's terrible, uh, marketing for other people's shows. Um, and then I'm potentially doing the Buxton Fringe. I don't know if anyone lives in Buxton, but I'm potentially doing that on the next day, July 23rd. Details to be announced, uh, but keep an eye out. If you're local to any of those locations, please do come and see the show, because then a week later, I'm going to the Edinburgh Festival um, for a month, which will be interesting. Um, so, again, if you're going to Edinburgh... Uh, tickets are available for that. No, not yet, but we'll be soon, I think. So keep an eye out for that. You hoping right. for a, uh, a Scottish pre-season tour for Palace? Oh, that that would be amazing. Unfortunately, I think details just been announced and it couldn't be further from Scotland. It's in Perth. I was going to say Perth. I was going to say. <laughs> I was going to say Perth might be the closest bet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I might turn up and see what happens. Um, but yes, yeah, they're doing. They're doing. But they're doing loads. They're doing the, the Asia Asia Cup or, or equivalent. Singapore. Singapore Cup, Singapore. which we did, we did before, I think, didn't we, a couple of years ago? When we did the Asia Cup, the Premier League, Asia, yeah, Frank's pre-season. Yeah. His best two results, I think, were in that tournament. <laughs> yeah. That, how could you forget that that League Cup win against Ipswich's under-9s? <laughs> <laughs> that was a classic. Literally, Ipswich's youngest ever lineup. I know, it's incredible. <laughs> Mick McCarthy literally couldn't have given two shits no. for that, could he? And it's only because of James MacArthur that we even got a result in That's that right. game. We were not That's very right. good. Anyway, look, going from... Uh, not a great result. To a very good result, Dom. 2-1 win on the South Coast. Wilf in the last minute. He starts on the bench. People are slagging him off on Twitter. Wilf's bottled the game against Saints. He comes off the bench. He scores an absolute beauty in the bottom corner in off the post. Uh, what were your... Just before we get into questions and all that kind of stuff, what, what was... How did you feel in that moment when Wilf scored? What was your reaction? I'm not telling you. Um, <laughs> I was very happy. It was great. It was, it was brilliant to see. You're, you're right about the script. The, the subplot to Southampton Palace over recent years is always James Ward Prowse versus Wilfred Zaha. So, so I thought the 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 little tete a tete between the um, admins on the on the Twitter feeds of, very, of the both clubs was quite fun. Um, it's always nice to see Wolf coming out on top on that. And it clearly meant a lot to him. There's a, there's a spikiness to that fixture now, which shouldn't really otherwise be there. I mean, it's just born of those two characters, but, but, but they're a, a, a proper little undercurrent of, um, of spite to, to the game. Uh, maybe, maybe it's something also to do with a bit of Joel Ward and Pompey, et cetera, that, that comes into it as well, but it, but it certainly adds to the occasions. And I, I don't think we should kid ourselves. Southampton, have been pretty average for a while. Um, and I would have been disappointed had Palace not won that game. Um, I saw them down there for maybe a month back when they got hammered six nil at home. And they, they, they're, they sort of, you know, that expression on the beach. Well, that's pretty much Southampton since they, they were, since they gained, um, well, they assured themselves of, of, of Premier League survival. But that, that said, they are a team that, that, um, 
as they showed at Sellers Park actually earlier this season, they, 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 when they raise themselves and they and they they hassle and harry and and, and they press. They're a decent team. They're a good team. It's just I think their confidence has been a bit knocked of late, and so you know it was great that Palace exploited that and and a, and a much needed win because it's taken Palace from being in that that little group of clubs that immediately above the spat at the bottom uh, into into a position of where you can push into the top half with winning that game in hand. And it was an important one as well. If you imagine that Palace had lost that game in the last minute, mm-hmm. Palace would have had thirty eight points, and the and the relegation cutoff would have been thirty four. So you know we would have been looking over our shoulders again. So much much welcome three points. Yeah, that bottom of the league is actually starting to get quite tasty. It's quite nice to watch that um, run into the relegation battle from a distance, actually. And I think that result probably does just about take Palace out, although not mathematically, I think, but. I- it would be a miracle, I think, or the opposite of a miracle. A disaster, I guess, if we got dragged in. Um, Jack, one of the guys in my daughter's uh, uh, kick-around uh, football class on a Saturday morning is a Southampton fan, Adam. Great guy. And we were chatting before I drove down with JD Senior, and he was trying to work out what beach Southampton are on. He went for Marbella in the end, but that was pretty much the preview to the game. I said, to be honest, we're, we're probably not too far away on a, on a different beach, really, when you look at the season. And actually, my prediction was nil-nil for that result, for that reason. But actually, for two teams that didn't maybe didn't have quite anything to play for, although Dom's right about just getting away from that uh, the relegation scrap at the bottom, it was actually quite a feisty, end-to-end, decent game. Yeah, it sounded a decent game and looked a decent game, but didn't have much quality in the game, by the sounds of it. I think there were periods of that game where it kind of drifted by, but there were... Um, moments of high quality, no more than Wilf's, um, Wilf's finish in the last minute. And I think the difference maybe between us and Southampton is this is Vieira's full first season as, as Palace boss. He wants us to go all the way to the line, whereas maybe that message from Hassan Hutu perhaps isn't as resounding at Southampton. I have no idea what the situation at Southampton is, but my, my uh, opinion about Vieira is there's a man who who lives by high standards and that high standard will be the, the aim until the, the last game of the season. So he'd be disappointed if, if we were on the beach. Um, but perhaps that's not the same for Southampton, as Dom says, have not been particularly great recently um, other than their result against Arsenal a couple of weeks back. But um, yeah, I think the result was there for us um, ahead of the game. I was hopeful that we would win for the, for exactly the reasons that, that Dom outlined. Um, and I think, probably we warranted the three points. I think yeah. if that had finished 1-1, I mean, you were there, JD, but it, it struck me as a game that if it had finished 1-1, we'd have been, uh, you know, relatively pleased with the point, but may have felt we left two points behind. Um, and for it to be a last-minute winner, which is always great, is wonderful, but for it to be Wilfred Zaha against a team who he gets a ridiculous amount of stick from um, just made it all the better. Um, so great result. Um, I think just that goal took us from 15th in the table to 12th with one kick of a football. So, um, you know, I think we were all quite assured of Premier League football next season. But given the results, particularly Everton's result on uh, Sunday, which um, kind of pulls Burnley back into it and therefore would have pulled anyone above Burnley back into it, it's nice to be 12th rather than 15th in this situation. So, um, you know, Brentford got turned over last night. So, again, another club that's between us and that lot. And uh, I think a very good three points. The first time we've come from behind the season to win and yep. uh, also the first one goal victory this season. And also the first victory in the yellow shirt, I believe. <gasps> I believe you're right. We actually got a question about that from someone that I'll, yeah. I'll get to later on, I think. But uh, so yes. A good day. A good day to uh, to put some of that to bed. A day of first and a day of looking up rather than down, I think. And actually, it did weirdly did feel like a game similar to previous games where we grew into it in the second half. And actually, I, th- I think you're right. Had we not won, I think we'd be leaving thinking it was another game 
where we didn't quite get what we deserved. Uh, and there's been many of those this season. Uh, but it certainly didn't feel like we dominated. And yet, actually, when you look at the stats after the game, Palace were ahead in pretty much every category. And actually, yeah. the stats would suggest it was a game that Palace deserved to win. So it's nice we got it, although a dramatic way to do it. Um, and that's without well, mentioning, JD, the, I thought, quite a clear penalty on Gallagher. Yeah. I, I don't know why that was not given with VAR. And, and that would have passed ahead with, with maybe 10, 15 minutes to go. Um, and 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 would have been a different story altogether. But um, I I don't know how that's not a penalty. That's that's about as clear a penalty as we'll see at the weekend. I think. Yeah. Well, let, let's just. We've got no questions about it, actually, Don, but I'm going to ask you about Wilf in a minute and, and Wilf are not starting and various reasons for that. But really quickly, before we do that, that was a clear penalty on Gallagher. I, I think the replay showed that it was a, it was a penalty. And clear, clear is probably a bit pushing it a bit. Um, you know, if the VAR will have looked at it and will have decided that, that it wasn't a clear and obvious error. And the VAR looked at everything, so he would have seen that. Um, but the, the referee was a bit. The referee was interesting today. I, 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 he he looked as if he he didn't like players going down easily. And I think I think Palace are actually guilty of that a fair bit. I'm not saying they're diving, but and I'm not talking about in the penalty area necessarily. But I mean, we've 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 always commented on this about how how brilliant it is to have Jordan Ayew in the team because he's an outlet because he wins you free kicks, a cheap free kick outside the area. Well, this time yeah. those free kicks weren't given, mm-hmm. and it was almost like the referee noted that that was what Palace do. And Conor Gallagher is guilty of that outside the box, incidentally as well. Um, and Mark Gay, we saw with the with the Southampton the free kick that was conceded just prior to the Southampton taking the lead um these were 50 50 tussles where the palace player goes down and assumes they're going to get given the free kick i think gallagher got booked for picking the ball up or not booked he got penalized for picking the ball up in the second half as palace considered a succession of free kicks just outside their area and, and were flirting with danger when james will press on the on the pitch i just think the referee just got it into his head that palace go down too easily and actually the succession those succession of of tumbles um under a bit of pressure, but not an awful lot of pressure, probably influenced him into not giving the penalty yeah. uh, when it was probably more a penalty than than not. Yeah, he actually it's actually it was it's Jared Gillett who is an Australian referee. Yeah. It's actually his eighth, well, I can see eighth game this season. I Jared think he Gillett came over in the summer. Jared Gillett, that's his first Premier League season. He was in the Championship last season. But Jared Gillett is often held up as the kind of bastion of VAR refereeing yeah. because he was the uh, referee that was in that clip that, that BT liked to show quite often about when they um, aired the um, the audio between the referee and the, the assistants and therefore the VAR as well. So, you know, Gillett's very well versed. In it's, a good, it's a good video as well. VAR. It's a great video. Um, and as a lot of people say that that's, that was a one-off in Australia. They don't have that. It's not like Test Match Cricket where you, you hear the conversations. It's a one-off in Australia. That was for his last game. They held him in such high esteem. It was kind of the Jared Gillett farewell that that clip comes from. Um, so there's a referee there who's very well versed in, you know, officiating with VAR to support. Yeah. I would take Dom's point on maybe, maybe the the sequence of events in the lead up to that meant it wasn't given. And and it, it probably would have been a harsh one to overturn in terms of clear and obvious. And the VAR, I don't know who the VAR was, but it would have been difficult for one for him to say you've got that wrong and therefore go back but I do think that element that Don touches on is probably becoming more and more frequent within our displays I felt the second half against Leeds I counted maybe five or six instances where we went down on the presumption a free kick would be given and and it wasn't and Gallagher was um uh was was the culprit on on several occasions in that instance so something that ideally Vieira will look to maybe get rid of but perhaps it's an element of gamesmanship that 
he doesn't discourage because often it will win a free kick in a in a good part of the pitch. Who knows? It can do sometimes. I mean, I'm looking at Gillett's record. We've, it's become the Jared Gillett show. Um, looking at his record from this <laughs> season: eight games in the Prem, eight games in the Champ, fourteen yellow cards in the Championship, thirty-one yellow cards in eight games in the Premier League. So, mm. interesting transition. I did, I did think he made some weird decisions. Particularly, there was one which actually was against us, where Joel Ward clipped Shane Long's ankle yeah. right in the corner, and, and it, it was. was it right was, the, it, it, was a, it was a coming right, yeah exactly right from the line it was a coming together it was not intentional but it was definitely a foul and it was yeah. absolutely and again I, this is obviously against us it was identical to the penalty that Danny Welbeck won at, at Wolves at I think Wolves. it was at the week. Yeah. absolutely identical an unintentional clip of the heels but that is a foul and, and I remember thinking in that moment I can't, and I can't believe why he hasn't given that that but it made me feel like mm, rests sort of having a funny one today. Um, but I think you're right about the, the cumulative maybe uh, previous instances. Whatever we do say the... about Jared Gillett, it was not the worst refereeing performance of last week in the, including a Palace match. I think that uh, firmly stays with Darren England after the Leeds game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Darren's top of that pole. Um, right, quickly then, let's get on to uh, Wilf not starting, Dom. Um, we had many questions about it, so let's get into them. Um, David Kent, was Wilf... Hi, David. Uh, carrying a knock... Super Pat's motivational technique or getting us used to life without him at the end of next season. I'd say two of the three, probably. Um, PC Wires. Does anyone else think that Wolf starting from the bench was, and I think it's a typo, Vera's way of making a point about the repeated fouling in the Leeds game? I don't know. I'd like to hear more of what, well, I want to know what Vera thinks about a lot more about Palace. (laughs) Get her on next week, JD. Get her on next week. Did you see there was a video this week, I think, with Sky Sports, where he was talking about Vera. Vera. I was talking about. chatting to Arsene Wenger quite uh, quite a lot. And so people were saying, well, so Wenger's basically our assistant manager this season. It turns out Vera is our other assistant manager. So <laughs> Arsene and Vera doing a cracking job. Well Thanks. done to the both Thanks, of them. Thanks, guys. Good effort. Um, and then uh, Callum has said, uh, imagine being a fullback on a booking and having a fresh wolf coming on against you for the last 25 minutes. It was, Dom, as Vieira said um, before the game and after the game, uh, a case of him picking up too many knocks against Leeds, which I thought was a, a lovely little repeated barb after Monday night about the Leeds tactics on uh, at Selhurst Park. Um, but actually, tactically, I guess, bringing on Wilf in a, in a game later on against tired fullbacks, I mean, actually, probably a fantastic idea, really, if you can do that. And it worked perfectly. Yeah, except that he wasn't running at fullbacks because he was playing centrally. So, <laughs> um, but... Theoretical fullbacks. <laughs> I mean, let's not kid ourselves. I mean, if, if he was fit, he would have started. And he's he's been one of our best players since coming back from AFCON. It's, we're not in a position where we can leave him out. We're still not in a position where we can leave him out because we're so much a better team when he's on the pitch, even with the options that we've got up up top. So, I, I don't think I don't think Vieira was was making a, a statement here. I, I, he only had to look at watch the Leeds game to see that he was hacked to pieces. Um, and if 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 that meant that he couldn't, maybe his his ankles couldn't sustain more than an hour on the pitch, start on the bench and come on and 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 he's a, he's a wonderful option to have it. It was a weird one when the, when the team sheet came in. You're actually looking at it thinking, "Blimey, our bench is strong." But yeah, yeah. But you know, I'd like some of those players on the pitch. To be yeah, honest, not any of them start. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, it worked, and 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 you know, it, we've been critical at times of of Patrick's. Um, substitutions over the course of this first season, and and I think he got a bit lucky on the, uh, this weekend. But but you know one of those 
one of those was enforced. I mean, one of the, one of the reason the wolf wasn't wasn't playing was because his his ankles were either sliced to pieces or was bruised beyond all recognition. So he needed he needed to rest up for a bit. And when he came on, he, he clearly had a point to prove. And and he and he thankfully and brilliantly he did in timely fashion at the end. I don't think he had a huge influence when he came on. Actually, I mean, there was one very very nice pass that he slipped in for Elise down the right, which was which was which was great. But otherwise. I mean, although Palace probably looked felt more in control after the goal, and there was a little flurry of about ten minutes where we were the, very much in a, in the ascendancy, the, the game was sort of petering out a bit. With, with Palace, arguably, you know, pushing more than Southampton were, um, but it was just brilliant. I mean, that is the, the mark of a of a genius when you can you can properly make an impact in such timely fashion and and, and pluck a, a finish and it was a bloody good finish as well I and mean, you really skimmed it into that into the end of the far post um they weren't expecting it and the way that he held off Begnarek who's not a not a small man and he's 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 got the physicality to to cope and spin into space with a brilliant little touch and a and a fantastic finish so fantastic that he he, he pulled that out of the bag uh, yeah, it was. I mean, actually, the, the spin was great, as you say, to get away from the uh, centre backs as well. It was a lovely little. Does that that sort of roll across top of the ball that a lot of the players have to do now, and a great finish. Um, I'll put this question to you then, Jack. Off the back of that, from Gareth from California. Hey, Gareth. Hello, Gareth. California. Hi, Gareth. Uh, did the gaffer get it right today? Today well, being Tuesday, uh, <laughs> don't, know what, don't know what decisions he's made today, Gareth. Um, he's, uh, <laughs> he told Vera to go and uh, sort the teeth out and he smashed it. Um, yeah, I think Dom's probably, uh, that's not probably, I agree with Dom wholeheartedly. I, I think uh, ideally Patrick Vieira does not start Wilfred Zaha from the bench in any game. And it was a needs must to, to have him available if needed. Um, you know, if we'd been cruising two or three nil at that point, probably wouldn't have seen Wilf. Um, you know, you don't drop your best player to, to make a statement, although I think Vieira is probably more likely to make such a statement um, compared to our previous manager, who was, you know, obviously very diplomatic and and wouldn't have gone down that line. Um, but to have made those, I guess, to, to have made those comments in the, um, the, the pre-match presser like he did. Um, to say that Wilf's ankles, you know, specify the the part of Wilf's body that was feeling it the most, um, may, may be making a point, I guess. But um, I don't think Vieira would want to go into any game without Wilf starting. Um, but to bring him on to play him centrally, I guess there's a decision that that, that Vieira made there. So in that sense, he did make it right um, or get it right. Sorry, um, I, I felt yeah, we 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 weren't you know bashing down their goal. You know, Wilf's Wilf shot on target. I think was the only other shot on target after Eze's goal. I don't remember Forster making any saves. So it's not as though, mm. you know, it was the Alamo and, and Wilf was leading it. But as, as Dom says, you you have a player of that quality. He has one moment to impact the game and the result, and he does. Um, I think that ability to pin defenders as he does, he demonstrates it there centrally, but he's really started to do that to fullbacks as well. And he's, he's as happy to kind of front them up taking them on down the line as he is to kind of support back to goal and, and use the support from either Tyree Mitchell coming up from fullback or, or use the midfield. So he's really developing his game and his strength. He must be so strong to hold off a centre-half like Bednarek. You know, Bednarek is, is no mug. He's, he is strong. Um, probably Southampton's best centre-half, I would argue. Um, so to, to hold him off and then to get the shot away of that quality is um, is testament to Wilf. And if he was feeling the effect, you didn't see it in that moment or his celebrations. I mean, he loves to celebrate a goal, Wilf, but he properly <laughs> celebrated that one. There was, yeah. there was something in that. And it might be that it was against Southampton, but I think more to do with it being the last minute and, and, and being the goal that secured an important win for Palace. 
Yeah, I think actually, if you can't celebrate a last minute winner down on the South Coast against a team where there's a bit of needle, then then uh, when can you? And a nod to Will for getting to 12 goals this season, most prolific return in his career. Four games to go as well, so who knows what he can end on, but he's been I, absolutely fantastic. I said a few weeks ago, JD, he he was he drawn level with uh, Peter Beardsley on 59 Premier League goals, or 58 Premier League goals. That was his 59th. He uh, is now uh, joining four others on that, and he's now the 79th top goal scorer in Premier League history. Uh, Gianfranco Zola uh, and Niall oh. Quinn are the two who are unlikely to add to that total. Um, but Callum Wilson and Marcus Rashford also on that number. Uh, next would be a 60th, and that would draw him level with David Silva. So he's, I think wow. stats like that, I know, you know, stats don't really mean that much in that sense. And it, But it is interesting to see the, the type of player that he's now drawing level with. And it's, you know, it's nice to see a Palace player uh, who I consider to be the best of of all times, certainly in my lifetime, um, to be mixing it with those type of names. Niall Quinn. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting to see. Um, Darren Ambrose was uh, doing the Talksport breakfast show or, or one of the Talksport show, yeah, yeah. shows over the weekend, and said that he deserves a statue outside Sellers Park. And the Talksport, as they do, clipped that out on social. And um, some of the responses from from supporters, largely, I think, it appeared to be Manchester United fans uh, saying what a ridiculous concept it was uh, that Rawford Zaha should should merit a statue outside Sellers Park. Staggering, really, when you actually think of the what he's what he's helped Palace achieve, not least you know getting promoted um, back in 2012-13, and and when he came back to the club, really establishing us in in the Premier League, and now for what now will be a, a tenth successive season. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I think of all. Of all the figures out there um, who who merit statues at Les Park, Wilfred Zaha and Stephen Parrish are probably two of the two well, very the, worthy yeah. candidates. Yeah, Definitely. I completely agree. Although I've never heard anyone call him Stephen Parrish before. That yeah, I don't know why that suddenly became all formal. It was very weird. <laughs> well, I, I, think, I, think I, I was thinking. I think it's because you said Wilfred Zaha. Oh, yeah, so I have to then. <laughs> and therefore, yeah. kind of like you went down the grandmother approach <laughs> of naming people. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I should say really on on Steve really quickly. I've got, there's a guy in our house literally at the moment who's. Um, I was about to say who's stripping. He's he's stripping. He's stripping the walls, but not stripping. Although, change, they, said on the, they said on the email. They said they said Andy will come over and start stripping on on Tuesday morning. <laughs> but anyway, um, the walls that's been revealed. We've got this horrible 1970s style embossed um, oh, yeah. wallpaper. You know that kind of really gross 70s stuff. It's coming off, and underneath it, they've got this half and half red and blue walls with like an orange strip in the middle. It's, it's very odd. I can't believe that was actually someone's house. Um, but I said to Andy, oh, that's, that's apt. I'm a Palestine. So I guess Red Booth got apt. And he went, oh, I know you're chairman. Oh, I said, Steve Parrish. He said, yeah, I do a bit of motorsport. And uh, I gave Steve his first motorsport license. I was like, what? How oh, random well, is that? Oh, small so world. I'm him, glad it ended up... Stephen, please. Stephen. <laughs> Stephen to his friends. Yes. <laughs> In fact, his, mo- his, his motorsport license probably did say Stephen Parrish. So to be fair. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you brought that round, JD, because I thought I was going to have to remind you that it was uh, Don Farfield and Jack Pierce on your podcast and not Lawrence Oil and Bowen. So I'm pretty glad that you, uh, you brought it back to Palace. Um, he's, just... he's, he's on next week, guys. <laughs> well, yeah, if I can finalise the booking. Um, let, just on the, on that, I saw that tweet from TalkSport as well. I saw, I saw Darren Ambrose retweet it. And then um, people, yeah, people piling in. I mean, it's football Twitter. So of course people are going to pile in. Yeah, don't really have an, a, an understanding, but still have an opinion. That basically is Twitter sort of in a nutshell. But I think Jack, Dom's absolutely right. If you if you are going to do a statue outside, so, and it, it's the age old debate on Twitter and the BBS and stuff, who would it be? You'd have, you'd have Steve Koppel, 
you'd have Wilf, and you probably would have Steve Parrish. But they'd, they'd certainly be the three up there, wouldn't they? Yeah, I mean, the idea of Steve Parrish likely to be the one commissioning these statues <laughs> does make that a rather <laughs> uh, egotistical uh, choice. But no, I think in terms of the history of the club, got to remind ourselves, we are in the midst of the longest period of top flight football the club's ever had. And I think for that uh, alone, you have to consider current players. I, I know typically when you think about legends and statues, you think of yesteryear, but I think in the case of Palace, looking at the present is is accurate. Um, I, I don't think there will be a statue of Wilf while he's still playing, so it might be a, a few years down the line. And if the main stand was to happen and a statue be commissioned, then I think Wilf's name should be right at the top. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, I, I think he's absolutely brilliant, and uh, w- without him, we wouldn't be where we are. And I think that's probably all there is to say about Wilf. He, he's that important to this football club. So when the fans of, of other clubs, I, I follow some Leeds fans on, on Twitter from, um, you know, previous engagements we've done with them on FYP. And they absolutely pillared Wilf last week. They really went after him. It's almost, it's, it's beyond the football assassination. It's character assassination when it comes to Wilf. Yeah. And it's absolutely outrageous. I, I don't understand how he's developed this kind of persona as this evil genius when he's, by all accounts, a very nice bloke, as well as an excellent footballer, um, I, I think certain clubs, fan bases, uh, just have it in for him. And I think it's um, it's absolutely absurd. I think it's jealousy. And we're playing one of them this weekend, and we may well relegate them. And yeah. I hope Will scores five. We'll come, we'll come to that, definitely. I think it's jealousy to a point. I, I've decided I've actually my, um, my candidate for the statue actually wouldn't be any of them. It would be Vera. I think Vera deserves a statue. <laughs> She's had such for all the work on the club. She's done. Thanks, um, Vera. Uh, we yeah. should probably make the point that, that statues are not having a great time with, with football fans no. at the moment, given poor old Bob Stokoe's oh, statue at Sunderland. played 250 games for Newcastle? I mean, oh, no. that, if, if yeah. you want to, like, the embodiment of a football Twitter yeah. account <laughs> being a person is yeah. that video, essentially. I mean, yeah. unbel- just rid- ridiculous. Um, but um, I forgot what I was going to say now. Uh, Sorry, my bad. <laughs> Vera? You were talking about Vera. Vera. Oh, so oh no, I'll talk about Wilf, Wilf really quickly. Wilf. I do want to wrap up part one, sorry, in a minute. And I will, but um, because we'll do winners and losers in a minute. But on Le- you talk about Leeds fans, so yeah, there was a there's another podcast called um Under the Cosh. I don't know if you guys listen to it. Oh, it's a I couple of former Terrible. pros. Um, John Parkin. John Parkin, John Parkin and, and Chris, uh, Chris Brown. Two guys called Chris Brown. One of them was a striker who played for Preston, and one of them's a comedian. It's actually a really good podcast, and they get great interviews on there. But they do on the road videos, and they were at Stellar's for the game on Monday night against Leeds. And they were cutting to them going, Hammering Wilf going, he's diving. He's just diving all over the place. And then Terence from Red and Blue Army the next day um, put great. up a fantastic compilation of every time Wilf came into contact with another player from that game. And there wasn't a single dive in there. They were all fouls. In fact, the only time he fouled someone else was when he clicked Ailing. He then put he his really hand out to Ailing. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it just shows the absolute, as you say, character assassination and basically the complete lies that are around it. But I think it's based on jealousy because it's there's another narrative. great thread. I don't yeah. know if it's Terence, another great thread of, of football fans of every single club saying, well, Zaha only turns up against us. And it's literally about 50 clubs. <laughs> 91 <laughs> other football clubs. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> so anyway, we, I mean... We've not even fans, played Rochdale. What are you talking about? <laughs> we know the truth around Wilf. And to be honest, it, uh, uh, if other fans continue to, to not follow that, that's up to them. Because what we get is last minute winners against Southampton. And long may that continue up until his statue in a couple of years. Um, let's take a quick break then when we come back. Winners and losers.
you know, Palace haven't had a player called Harry since 1962. Harry Easton, nine appearances, one goal. That is until now, because this episode of the FYP podcast is sponsored by Harry's.com. Harry's are way more than a super sharp razor company. They're here to revamp your whole routine from close shaves and flake free hair all the way to clear healthy skin. Harry's helps guys feel good. And they have an offer for FYP listeners of a free trial set and their new face wash. All you got to do is cover the $3.95 for delivery at harrys.com slash FYP. Now, here's a question. Why use a face wash before you shave? Well, much like footballers need a pre-match routine and us fans obviously have our pre-game pub routines. Harry's believe that a good pre-shave routine can make all the difference between nasty irritation and a close, comfortable shave. So here's a question for you. Do you use a face wash before you shave? Harry's are giving you the chance to up your pre-shave game with a trial set and face wash offer. Um, I have to admit that I didn't use a face wash when it came to wet shaving. I'm a quite a lazy shaver, uh, but I have started to thanks to Harry's and their face wash. Um, I've actually been using Harry's razors long before they sponsored the podcast um, when I wet shave. And to be totally honest, I won't go back to anyone else now. Right. Here's the science bit. Excess oil and dead skin cells build up over time. So exfoliating all of this away from your face before you shave means you're less likely to suffer from ingrowns and breakouts. Using a gentle cleanser leaves the skin feeling refreshed and the hair soft, making your shave feel smoother than before. So go to harrys.com slash FIP to get your trial set. Just got to pay the $3.95 for delivery. And here's what you get. An expertly engineered weighted handle, one five-blade cartridge crafted by artisans in Harry's own German factory, complete with precision trimmer. A handy foaming shave gel for effective lubrication. A travel blade cover for life's adventures. And that free travel size face wash. Now, much like Mile Jednak and Joe Ledley, you know, I'm a hairy man with a hairy face. So when I wet shave, I'm normally pretty worried about nicks and things like that. But I found my shaves have become more comfortable since using Harry's and their face wash before I shave. It's given me an even smoother, comfortable shave without all of that anxiety about shaving. So make sure to support the FYP podcast and start your own skincare journey by redeeming the free Harry's trial set. All you do is cover the £3.95 for delivery. So head to harrys.com slash FYP to have your set delivered and start a shave plan. Your freebie will be added at checkout. That's harrys.com slash FYP. Welcome back to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Whee! Pod four, two, six. It's time for winners and losers. Before I do that, actually, I'm going to... Well, this is kind of a winner, guys, but I want to do it on the public feed before we flip over to the patron-only part of the section. And I've had a question here from Evan. Hello, Evan. 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 Can you give a shout-out to the Palace Cyclists? Over £30,000 raised so far. Uh, still time for people to donate. We're enjoying, we enjoyed singing. That's why we cycled here. That's why we cycled here at the end. What result? I think I mentioned this on the patron pod oh, after yeah, the game, but good shout to cyclists um, doing the ride to Southampton part of the Palace for Life Foundation. 30K is a fantastic amount raised. Uh, they were actually sat behind us at the game. So that was, that was a lovely part uh, at the end, celebrating and seeing Mark Silverstein and Mike Clark and Mike Summers from the foundation and Bobby as well. So uh, well done to all those people involved. I mean, that's an incredible 
effort to do that, really. But yet again, another example of the lengths, literally the lengths that Palestinians will go to to raise money for the foundation. And I should say we had a special episode last week, last Monday, I think, where Mike and Bobby from the foundation came on to talk about their Made in South London campaign that has launched trying to raise £1 million to help disadvantaged people in South London. So do check out that episode if you haven't heard it yet. Um, and do follow Palace for Life Foundation on all social media platforms to find out more information. Uh, but a big round of applause. Should we do a round of applause? Let's do a round of applause for the cyclists. I think fantastic work uh, to you guys there. Right. This is now where we leave our public feed and go to our patron-only feed for winners and losers. It's a weekly patron-only section. If you want to hear it, go to patron.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash F-Y-P podcast to hear our winners and losers and post-match pods each week as well. Uh, if you're on the public feed now and you're not a patron, you're going to hear a clip from the post-match pod with me and JD Senior walking back to the car from St. Mary's, feeling very happy. Um, and then we'll come back and do part three in a minute. So let's make that split now. That ending to the game, I think, has, um, has left us probably as um, spent as the players. I think there's something in that, yes. It was a fantastic finish. And yes, we were cheering, chanting for, what, 10 minutes after the game? Great fun. That's what Palace fans do best. Um, it's a lovely finish on Wilf. You, you told me you didn't actually see it go in. No, I didn't. I think you must have jumped up just, just at the right moment. I couldn't quite see it go in, but I knew from the reaction that it had. <laughs> it sort of, he, 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 he spun on the edge of the box and drilled it into the bottom corner, hit the post. So it must have been a very accurate shot. Um, it was a funny one, actually, because uh, when we... We weren't, I wouldn't say we were at our best today. And when we scored the equaliser, it actually felt like it was against the run of play. And even going into the last few minutes, I wasn't convinced we were going to get the three points. But actually, you've just been looking at the stats. And actually, the stats suggest that we were the better team almost in every department. Yeah, I agree. It, I was a bit surprised to find it. I think the stats say that it was about 60-30 possession. I really didn't think we were like that. I knew we had more possession, but that was... Uh, 60-40, I should say. I can't work things out. Are you supposed to be an accountant? Yeah, shh. Don't tell them. Um, yeah, so actually, I guess over the course of the game, um, Palace did do enough. Um, Shots-wise, I know we were definitely on, on top. And in fact, Southampton's opener, the, the header from Romeo, um, from a, I mean, I hate to say it, fantastic corner from James Ward-Prowse, actually their first shot on target. Yes, it was. Uh, really nothing much had happened in that first 10 minutes. Um, and then, as I said, they scored what was a good goal. We just didn't cover, cover his, his jump, I think. And McCarthy, you said, you thought was the man uh, allowed him to get past him, which is a shame. Um, and then for the next what, 10 to 15 minutes, we were definitely on the back foot. And they had quite, quite a number of opportunities. And I think we're possibly a little lucky not to go two down by 20 or 25 minutes. But then we slowly found a way back into it. There is something about this Fiera team that does do that, doesn't it? They're able to, when they go a goal down, able to sort of ride the storm for a little bit and get back into games. And we, when you and I have done quite a few away games this season. And we've seen them, we've been very lucky to see some great results like the Wolves one. But at home and away, you've seen them this season really get back into games. They don't get knocked down. They don't lose their confidence. They, they, they don't capitulate. They just dust themselves off and get themselves back into it. And I think that is a real quality uh, that we've seen from the Vieira team this season. No, I would agree with that. They, they seem to, to stay calm, try and keep the ball, uh, and to slowly build up uh, their own confidence, build up the move through the, through the through the field. Yes, it doesn't work out, quite work out. They come back, and actually, you quite often notice that when it comes back again to to Anderson Gay, they're a little bit further forward, and we're gradually pressing a bit further forward. So they just they just keep going it, keep going at it, and yeah, they're very confident in the end. 
very confident, and they certainly looked more and more confident, particularly after the equaliser. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, don't, I do think it came slightly against the run of play. There's a lovely finish from um, from Ebbs. We, we both said at the, at the time we think IU, who I think had a mixed game today, uh, plays Klein on the overlap ever so slightly, puts it too far in front of him. But as a result of that, it means Klein has stretched to get it. The defenders have maybe taken a split second, thinking maybe it's going out or to stretch for it, and it's left Eze free. And it's a wonderful finish in the back. I, I think you're right there. I think I th- certainly thought it was going out. Um, Klein just got to it. I think half the ball was probably over the line. Fortunately, it has to be the whole ball. And I think the defenders went back slightly on their heels, and that allowed the ball to shoot right across the goal. And then uh, as they got it, and I was very surprised to see him shoot straight back into the middle because I thought there were too many players there. But he got it dead on, dead on target, did very well. I think Costa got a hand to it, but he couldn't keep it out. A lot, I think because he hit low, I think. But that is a hard shot. That that sort of half volley, uh, ball dropping out of the air on your weaker foot, in theory, is a very very hard shot. So it was a great, it was a great goal. Um, obviously, Ebb started out wide today, having played in the middle, number ten for the last few weeks. What were your thoughts on his performance overall? Uh, it was mixed. A lot of very good. Um, good points to it. He managed to, to keep the ball when he's under a lot of pressure uh, but at the same time there are one or two careless passes always inclined to, to, to slow it down and bring it back. When you get a bit impatient you like to see him try and knock it past the defender the way that um, Elise does. Uh, so yeah, Mixon actually we thought in that second half that he was beginning to run out of ski- steam and we were probably about to take him off when he scored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, no, I think it was a mix. He wasn't bad, but uh, not as good as he can be. No, I think we're, we're still seeing Eze um, being... I was to say blooded into the team. That's the wrong phrase, because that's what, you use, that's what we use for a youngster coming into the team. Being reintegrated into the team, I think. Um, although I thought it was interesting seeing him move out wide today. And he, I don't think we saw the best of him, to be honest. And I actually thought it was going to be schlup, because it was obviously schlup for Zaha was the one change. I thought it was going to be schlup out wide. And actually, I think we could have done with a bit of thrust out there, because when we had, I said this to you during the game, when we had Eze and Ayu out there, there isn't enough thrust in terms of getting the ball and running. And actually, in the first half, Schlappy was very good at doing that, getting the ball turning and driving on beyond people. I think he faded in the second half he did. a little bit. I, I agree. I thought he faded in the second half. And when he was taken off, you suddenly thought, oh, I've hardly seen him for a while. Yeah. But in the first half, he was probably one of the more effective players. You said he was turning. He was doing those interceptions. He does so well, winning the ball, moving it forward. Created a couple of opportunities, but... Nothing quite of note that would that you could say that they missed a goal and thing like that. Yeah, no, exactly. It's it's um, yeah. I would have I would have maybe started started as a um, schlup out wide. Well, that's not why I'm not the manager. Um, Vieira knows what he's doing. And in terms of subs bringing on Wilf, obviously that worked fantastically. Um, Mateta was a man up front. I asked you at halftime on my Instagram stories. Um, who Palace's best player was. You, you said you weren't sure, and actually I then cut you off on the video before you said Meteta. He did have a good half, didn't he? And, and again, he did, he, did his, he did his usual, I guess, sort of um, running out of legs at about 65 minutes. But actually, in that, in that role up top, um, you're asking him to do so many different jobs at once. You're asking him to, to run in the channels, you're asking him to hold the ball up, you're asking him to bring players into play, you're asking him to press the back four. And actually, he did do all that, certainly for the first hour or so. Yes, he was. Particularly in this second half, the first half, he really, as we were getting better, he was doing a lot of that, as you said, holding up the ball. Got booked for something, I'm not quite sure what it was for. Um, he and, was it Ben? Benderek. Benderek, yeah. But yes, he worked very, very hard. Continue hard, and it does very well actually to maintain the ball with those 
sort of bambi legs of his you think he's lost it but somehow he, he does manage to, to retain it and do some lovely layoffs at times so yes I thought in the first half that second half part of the first half was what made, made me think well, he was the best man in the first half although it might, might have gone to Schlappi up front as well the defence to be fair didn't have much to do except they conceded the goal Shall we, the, the wind's dying down, shall we walk back to the car and see if we can walk and talk? I'm slightly worried about the wind, but we'll walk and talk and see how it goes. Apologies if this gets a bit windy. Uh, we are down on the south coast, of course. I'm going to hold my phone in front of the microphone. Hopefully that will do a job. Um, I'm glad you mentioned the defence, because, I mean, I think we've got so used to Anderson and Gahey doing their job and, and, and being very solid, and they were again today. Fullbacks, I think, were the stories today, because you had one fullback on the left, Wardy, again playing out of position, who I think struggled today. Um, he had... He had Walker Peters, who is, you know, one of the best fullbacks in the league on, at the moment and plays very well. And Nathan Redmond, who obviously is very, very um, tidy as well. And I think he struggled against them. Um, there's obviously the element of the, the former Pompey boy coming back to Southampton. And I think you always think he's either going to he's going to be in the headlines either for, for sort of one reason or the other. I think today he, um, I think he showed. Uh, why he's back up not that anyone probably argue with that and actually you said at half time maybe the easiest switch would have been Mitchell to come on and we, ne- we didn't actually see him no I was a little surprised by that because uh, although Wardy played well he was well positioned he, he didn't let the, the full back on the winger get past him but what disappointed him was a number of times he misplaced his passes and of course that just bring, invites pressure back onto him um, and that's one of the reasons hello we've got this and we've got a man on a very loud motorbike leaving. I don't think it is Joel Ward. But, um, yeah, that was very loud. Sorry, you were interrupted by a man on a motorbike. Yeah, and as I said, it was, it was those misplaced passes in that first 20 minutes which kept on inviting pressure back onto us. Which, uh, you know, and I felt he'd, he'd done okay with the rest of his game, but uh, I really felt I'd like to see Mitchell back there. But... Uh, I'm not the manager either. <laughs> no, and I, I guess maybe he feels like Mitchell wasn't ready. And, and, and actually, I think that you, you can see today's an example, actually, I think, of the, the trust that Vieira does have in Joel Ward. He, he clearly does trust him, even if he's having a, a sticky patch. Um, and I think that's uh, it's commendable, really. I mean, we know Joel Ward's been brilliant for us over the last 10 years and never lets us down. But um, I thought, in contrast, on the other side, Klein had a fantastic game and very quietly goes about being, I think, one of the, one of the most, I guess, improved players. Not that he was bad when he came back, but obviously it took a while to get back into the team. Um, but I thought he was absolutely fantastic. You, as opposed to Ward, he uses the ball very well, set up the goal with a great cross. Always seems to be, his positional play is excellent, I think. Always seems to be in the right place at the right time to, to, to cut out the, um, any through balls. Um, is, oh, it's very windy. I hope this is coming through okay. Um, it's very no-nonsense. Not flashy. Just gets the job done. Uh, I think he's, he's sort of getting better and better with every game. I'd have to concur with that. I think he was. He's very unassuming. And in fact, you don't notice him a lot of the time. And it was quite a surprise when he popped up with his... Uh, his cross for the goal. Yeah. But as I said, yes, he goes about his business very efficiently, very quietly, does it very well. Right, it's getting a bit windy, so what we're going to do is I think we're going to uh, take a break while we head da- back down towards our car in uh, Ocean Village Car Park. And uh, we'll reconvene in the car in a minute when it's a bit less windy. Okay, let's. Right, thank you. Um, extensive winners and losers this week. Some very good topics covered indeed. If you didn't hear that, but you want to, and I would suggest you do, um, go to patreon.com slash FYP. 
podcast. Um, but let's take a quick break and we'll come back. Questions. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. When it comes to business and meeting travel in Orlando, it's never business as usual. Sure, I could go on for days about all the incredible places to hold your meeting or the innovative industries that will make you feel right at home. But Dr. Michael Edwards of Ocean Insights said it best. Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. And when work wraps up for the day, the evening is just getting started. I'd love to tell you about all the 46 Michelin-rated restaurants or the array of outstanding dishes that'll have you coming back again and again. But executive chef Guillaume Rabin of Lake Nona Wave Hotel can sum it up better than me. Orlando has a world of artisans, so you can try incredible cuisines from across the globe. It's so true, and there's so much more. So dive in and see what's happening in Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at orlandoforbusiness.com. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. 
Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome back to Soccer Time Podcast. Way Pod four twenty six. It's time for questions from our lovely listeners. Um, Patrick Stevens. Hello, Patrick. Hi, Patrick. Lives up my 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 way of the world. So there's another Bucks Eagle. Watford um, Town Centre. Unbelievable. <laughs> Vicarage Road Vicarage dugout. Road Watford. <laughs> um, Anderson, the unsung hero of our revolution, question mark, discuss. Not sure I like the the order of that at the end. Thanks, Patrick. Um, Fair point, though, Jack. I mean, I think probably, possibly, I mean, we do talk about Gay quite a lot, actually. He comes up, but Anderson, certainly in that bracket of players that perform so highly that you just kind of assume he's going to perform to the best. And he has been, in the last couple of weeks, particularly, I think, very good. And and. What did we pay for him? 12 million or 15 million in the end? Uh, something I like that? I think it's higher, 15 to 18 or something. But we got it down. Yeah. I think Leon were initially asking for mid-20s from what I remember of the chat last summer. I think the guy's absolutely sensational, to be honest. Um, I think uh, because they were signed at the same time or the same transfer window, they're often um, kind of thought about as a partnership. And I think last year the club put them up as a joint press conference, which probably adds to the, the idea right. that they are a partnership. But you're, you're right. I think Gay's probably had a bit more... Uh, praise this season probably because he's younger um, you know it's his first Premier League season whereas we saw Anderson's quality last year in albeit a, a pretty shoddy Fulham side but he was more of a known quantity um, but I think Anderson has improved week on week and uh, for me Wilf is our player of the year because stats wise he's had his best season mm. uh, I mean yeah I don't want to talk about Wilf more because we've already touched it but for me Wilf is our player of the year um, then you've got Tyreek and, and, and Conor Gallagher also in that conversation Mark Gay, another contender. But I think if the season was another maybe 10 games, the, the kind of argument for Anderson probably would build. I think he's, in terms of players' form uh, accelerating, I think 
um, Anderson's probably only getting better as the season's gone on. Um, and I think the command leadership that he provides, not just at the back in terms of the back line, but throughout the team, um, is there for all to see. He's he's very vocal. Um, I, I think he's he's often, for me, the captain without the armband. Um, I think it's right that Mark Gay is being given the armband for development purposes, and I think Mark Gay will be the next club captain. I hope so, anyway. But for me, Anderson is is very much the leader or one of the key leaders on the pitch. Um, and I think he, he sets the standard, um, has, has got great pedigree seems, you know, he's a, a Danish international, a very good Danish side. He'll be part of a squad that goes to a, a world cup with high hopes of getting towards the latter stage of that tournament. So, you know, again, it's another, for me, kind of nod in the direction of where Palace are, the healthy status of the club that we've got a player like Joe Anderson playing for our club. Um, and again, another long-term contract. We signed him on. Good deal. You know, it, it, that deal's looking better and better as the weeks go by. Yeah, actually, I mean, Don, we, the the um, the subject of captaincy used to come up quite a lot on the podcast, actually. And, and we would harp back to previous squads that had many sort of leaders who didn't wear the armband. But, but you know, we've had previous players come on the podcast and talk about those best squads are the ones we have leaders across the park and you almost don't need a captain. I feel like we're starting to get that now, actually, with Anderson, Gahey, you've got Macker in there, Wolf, of course, up top, Wardy to an extent as well. Actually, this squad is starting to pack itself with sort of people with those capabilities and those qualities. And that's when you start to get the best out of people. And I guess as well, Gahey's been allowed to flourish probably because he's allowed alongside someone with a bit more experience in the shape of Anderson, a bit older. Um, and they complement each other very well as a partnership. Um, but he has been fantastic signing, isn't he? Yeah, it was interesting to see that he, he he came out on Friday and said that he'd actually researched Mark Gay yeah. uh, prior to signing, which which shows a, a player that's got his head screwed on, really. So it shows that he, he wanted to be aware of the partnership that he was going to go and, and, and forge with... Uh, with more, you know, an un- untried and untested player at this level, let's be honest. But he he would have seen what what Gay did at uh, Swansea on loan um, last season in particular, and will have been, you know, couldn't help but be impressed with with the performances he put in. I think he's, he has been great. He, he's probably the most expensive of all of Palace's signings in terms of the the, the overall package because he's an, he he is the player that they were buying effectively buying established pedigree. The others were all potential. I mean, Elise and Gay and, and, and Gallagher obviously comes in on loan. Um, even Edouard, to a certain extent. I mean, it's with, with Anderson. He, he played in the Premier League, as you said, but he's also been at an elite club at, in Lyon, um, and and had played at a, at a fine level. Okay, he hadn't maybe established himself there and, and had gone out on loans um, over over the over the last three four years. But he played against Patrick Vieira. He knew uh, at Nice, he knew that the type of team that Vieira was going to set up. He recognised that this was a change in style of football and that if there was going to be a partnership with Gay, then, then they would work together. He could spot the signs that that would work as a, as a, as a duo. Um, and yeah, he's, he's led quietly and efficiently on the pitch. And we, we're all sort of dazzled by the passing and the, and the, and Selzy calls him the sort of Bobby Moore-esque, some of the, the, the passing. And it is, it is fantastic to have that option to someone who can ping a diagonal, but he's also inspired Gay to try similar things, I think, to a certain extent. Um, and it just, it just fits the style perfectly. You know, when, when these guys are missing, you know, with no massive disrespect to, to, to Martin Kelly and James Tompkins, but Palace 
can't play the same way. Mm-hmm. So that's how integral they are. And it's no great surprise that I'm sure when Palace do get round to actually adding to their squad in the summer, they will try and get another ball-playing centre-back in there because you need to have a a backup to these guys who can come in and, and they can implement the same style seamlessly. But that just shows how well Anderson and Gay you've done. They've been brilliant. Yeah, they have. I actually researched uh, Jack Pierce before inviting him on the podcast and my laptop just crashed. It was very weird. I don't know what's something's gone wrong there. Um, no, he's been absolutely fantastic. And uh, as you say, a testament to Palace's recruitment uh, last year that everyone they brought in seems to get better and better. Um, speaking of recruitment, Dom, we've got some questions about contracts and how much you love answering questions about contracts. So here's some more for you from Andy Hopkins. Hello, Hello Andy. Andy. Andy says, now we are 100% safe. Wow, Andy's very confident. <laughs> um, we're not, Andy. We're, we're probably about Let's 99.9%. Let's have some mathematical assurance, Andy. Yeah. Come on, mate. It's probably about 99%, but yeah. even so. Um, it's now, t- surely it's now time to extend contracts before the summer madness begins. Wilf and Pat should be first priority. Uh, should they be first priority, Dom? I don't think you have to worry too much about Patrick Vieira. I mean, he's he's only one year into what will be a three-year contract at the very least. So um, I, I don't think there's a massive priority there. I'm sure his his side would, would push for a, a, new, a new deal. Um, but... You know that's something that Palace can do on, in their own in their own time. Really, there there will be other priorities. Uh, Wilf, yeah, I mean, this is the summer to sort out a deal for Wilf. Definitely. Again, I don't think there's massive urgency because I think we have to be realistic here. I mean, he's got another year, so he runs out in the summer of 2023. I'm not I'm not saying that Palace would necessarily entertain offers, but imagine if somebody did come in and offer 60 million pounds for a player that's got. 14 league goals potentially by the end of this season that's it may be unlikely for someone of his age but he, he, he couldn't necessarily rule it out so maybe that is something that we find happens towards the back end of the window um or maybe even once the summer window's closed um i hopefully personally hope that he ends his career at crystal palace football club and that he's he's you know stephen parish gets wilfred zaha under contract uh long term again but um we'll see there are there are others in that in that squad there there are there are there are players like kiate whose contract expires and um in the summer and i know there was there was a flurry of of noise from his end again suggesting that, that a deal was about to be signed but it as far as i know it hasn't been um so that might explain why you're suddenly seeing stories linking Palace to defensive midfielders on the continent um, and uh, disappearing off to YouTube to see how well they do. Um, uh, James MacArthur, I presume, has signed because in, when the FA, the FA publishes document every year with all the um, intermediary um, well, payments to a certain extent, but also listing every 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 deal that's been done over a period of time and uh jimmy mack appeared in that so he hasn't signed a new new contract so i imagine there was an option that kicked in um and that he he would be under contract now until 2023 but we've not had any confirmation from the club on that i should stress 
Um, and there are others, Nat Klein. Um, I think Jordan I has got an option as well for another year. Um, I'm trying to think what the others. I think Schlup and Milovievic are always cited as out of contract because I think transfer mark lists them, but I think they've got another year, both of them. So they're not uh, they're not part of the equation. Um, Conor Gallagher obviously goes back to Chelsea. I Tompkins can't... and Tompkins. Oh, and Kelly. yeah, Tompkins and Kelly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think one of them. I think Tompkins has got an option mm-hmm. for a further year, but I think it, it may be a club option. So I, I don't. It may be that the club decide not to pursue that. Possibly, or they may look at it and think, well, actually, it's good to have at least one experienced centre half who can come in yeah. and do a job if if, if required. Yeah. It's but you know, he, James Tompkins may well want to play more first team football next season. He, he must have had a fairly frustrating year. And Martin Kelly has had a fairly frustrating three or four years, I imagine, in terms of first-team appearances. But uh, um, So there will be an element of change. And I think Palace... Yeah, let's have to look at the way Palace operate and, and under Dougie Friedman and the type of player that he's likely to want to, to do business on this summer. Will Dougie Friedman want to pursue options on a lot of older players? And I, I count Nat Klein in there as well. Probably not, because that's not the way he works. He, he wants to rejuvenate the squad and keep this, you know, buying young potential, buying young players in so that he can develop them and the club can develop them. And that there's a, a huge logic to that. I mean, absolutely. It's worked brilliantly last summer. We can't question the, the, the tactic, really. And although the overhaul won't be quite as big this summer as it was last year, I still think there will be four or five departures and probably four or five coming in. And they'll be of a certain type. Yeah, you, you, you can't say it hasn't worked previously and or last summer and as a as a model it's clearly successful for palace i just feel like you squads need a balance to them and so you still need some some older heads in there um but yeah i have to say we leave it in dougie's capable hands at the moment because it's going very well um so yeah it'd be an interesting summer and I'm sure Jack will be buried in YouTube compilations with <laughs> all the other players that, that we're linked correspondence. with. I'll add that to the Australia brief you gave me a few months ago. <laughs> and of course, the head of the J was as well. So of course, I mean like, that's a voluntary position. I don't need to declare that. But that's <laughs> I just think with Wilf, with Wilf, you know, money on the table will count. But his relationship with Vieira, the the fact that he is, you know, the icon that he is within a football club, I, I don't know whether that will carry any weight with him. I don't know. I think it's probably more likely to carry weight with Wolf than it is many other Premier League footballers. Or will it be about the money on the table and the length of the contract? I'd hope it's the latter. Uh, sorry, the former. It'll be interesting to see. Wolf, Wolf over the last three or four years, certainly during that period where he was agitating for a, for a move because he felt his chances were of playing in the Champions League were dwindling, and he was he was right. Um, Changed representatives fairly frequently. I mean, it, there was a period where he went through. I think Pini Zahavi had a go. USM were his original runs. Rock, uh, yeah, they had a go as well. And now he's with Base, I think. Um, it'd be interesting to see who's representing him uh, at the end of the season. Herb Zaha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's an interesting one. I just wonder whether it, the relationship... I, I think, you know, he had a lot of respect for Roy, but... There were elements of Roy's tactic and and manner which clearly frustrated Wilf. Um, and I just wonder if it's, the the scope for negotiating a new contract last summer might not have been there, and from both sides. But now, as we get closer to the, um, the kind of expire of that contract, you, you'd think initial discussions will will start this summer. But 
just hope it happens because the idea of him playing for someone else, as it always has been for me, is a horrible prospect. Yeah. In my head, he'll be at Palace forever, I think. That's how I see it. I should say, uh, my agent has actually moved out of the comedy world this year uh, due to the pandemic. So if Wolf ends up with Zoe from Momentum, uh, I'm looking forward to his Edinburgh run in 2023. I'm sure it'd be a fantastic show. Um, anyway. Is Peenies and Harvey returning your call, Chet? Peenies and Harvey's just been banned by the FA. We'll That's why JD's today, contacted so. him. Yeah. Jack, no one. Typical timing from JD. <laughs> Nobody is returning my calls. I might have to start looking further afield outside the uh, entertainment industry. Um, uh, just on Klein really quickly because I know he's popped up a few times um, Stephen Goldring hey Stephen. Stephen. Hi, Stephen just says not a question but just a Klein appreciation post as he was fantastic yesterday yeah. again I assume that was sent on Sunday and not today um, but yes great we, in training this morning absolutely it. so good <laughs> um, <laughs> worked really hard in the gym turned up on time yeah. love it some brilliant. brilliant FIFA session in the afternoon just <laughs> hammered, hammered it um I can't remember which of you mentioned the yellow shirt. I think it was you, Jack, earlier. Mm. But um, it's Ricky B. Hello, hey, hello Ricky. Hello, it's. Um, can I buy the much discounted yellow shirt now? This yeah. season's curse has been lifted. Yes, you can. <laughs> she can. Got the, got the official approval from shirt correspondent. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you can. That's the rule. Because I've, I've I've been in that similar mindset of buying a buying a shirt that Palace have not won a game in didn't yeah. strike me as a good idea. But now that has been uh, has been removed. I think that shirt is purchasable. Agreed. Um, look, we've got some other questions as well. We, we've covered most of them, I think. Uh, so thank you to everyone from the. Oh, actually, here's a quick one. Uh, Tom, I don't know if you know much about this one, but it's from John Dodds. Hey, John. Hello, Dodsy. Eze and Elise, how far along the recovery path? Discuss. Another person that wants us to discuss these things. Um, it, might be very, it, might, <laughs> it might be a very short discussion, I'm guessing, Dom, but... Um, uh, I'm in assuming terms of fitness. Both... Sorry? Do you, do you mean in terms of fitness? I assume so, yeah. What other recoveries are there? Uh, Breakdown recovery? I don't know. <laughs> Mental recovery, generally. I don't know, yeah. Who knows? Um, well, that, to be fair, that is part of the, that is part of yeah, the recovery from, yeah, uh, from injuries. Um, yeah. I'm, I suspect as we're seeing a bit more of them now, um, that recovery is going okay? Yeah, I think so. I think they're on. I mean, as he's been playing, I think he's thirteen appearances now this season. So, I mean, he's he's obviously he's just a matter of building up match rhythm and fitness. And and we still haven't seen the best of him, as we said earlier. I thought I don't think we'll see the best of him until next season. No. But but everything that he's achieved this year and the games that he's played this year are uh, almost like a bonus, and and they'll set him up in good stock for next good stock for next season. Uh, Elise. It was a, a a micro fracture of a bone in his foot, but I think he I think he probably it probably does cause him a bit of discomfort. But I, I don't think he's I don't think he would count himself as being as lacking match fitness. I think he'll you know there's got to be a chance that he starts the weekend against Watford. Um, and I imagine that he will definitely start a game if he doesn't start at Watford. He'll start a game before the end of the season. Um, I don't think there's an issue there, and, and it's just unfortunate that you know having gained that first under twenty ones called up for France, yeah. um, he ended up picking up that injury in the in the training. Johnny Williams uh, syndrome. He used to do that a lot, didn't he? Get called up for the Wales under twenty ones and then come back with come back with pretty nasty injuries. Leg, didn't he? Broken Johnny, leg. Johnny them, Williams yeah. uh, just made his two hundred fiftieth club appearance or uh, professional appearance. Brilliant. Weekend for Swindon. Swindon? So I know, Swindon. Yeah. So I know for a guy that obviously we have a lot of fullness for and a guy who suffered a fair share of injuries, I think that's uh, 
an achievement to be noted for Johnny. Indeed. And also talking about Eze being a nice guy, Johnny Williams, one of the nicest guys in football as well. Might so make we all... the playoffs. Might make the playoffs. Well, we hope so. We wish him all the best. Um, two quick, less serious questions. Um, Peter Frost. Hey, Peter. Hello, Peter. Peter. With imitation being the sincerest form of flattery, have you noticed how many teams' fans are singing their version of the Super Pat song? Yeah. Since when, I think... He's not even their manager. The <laughs> they just think he's doing such a good job. Such a good job. Um, I think Southampton tried to sing it the other weekend, but R- Ralph Hassan, it's too many syllables. Hassan, we've got super Ralph Hassan, who doesn't fit. I heard one at the weekend. I can't remember who it was, but it sounded so amateur. I actually put it on mute because I could not listen to it. <laughs> Arsenal definitely do. And, and I have they sung to say, it. JD and Jack. Go on. We can't claim that chant. No, we nicked that from someone. I know. Oh, did we? I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know the origin yeah, of yeah. chants. Was we it? can't claim that chant. Is it one of the old firm? I don't know, but I, I heard it in a Premier League ground fairly regularly for a prolonged period before before Patrick Vieira and Palace. Wow. Okay. I, I agree. Draw I, your I, own conclusions from that. Because it's... No, no. I, I, I think my, my comment is based just on the Vieira being a very good fit. And it's oh, yeah, just good, whereas saying, some of... Tom. Okay, yeah. Yeah. What, what, have I've, I just what, I've just got what Dom was alluding to as to where it's come from. And then I did it in my head. And um, <laughs> it does scan with a previous... Chelsea manager. A, a, oh, I see. No, 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 not previous. It's, it's the current one. Oh, so, yeah, but it, yeah, the previous one, the one who's now a, uh, a relegation rival, yeah, they, they did scans. Oh, that scans very well, actually. Relegation <laughs> rival. What are you talking about? <laughs> rival. What are you talking about? <laughs> relegation threatened team. Sorry, Jack, I interrupted you there when, when it just popped up. Uh, no, I, I just think there's some that just don't fit the tune very well. But um, yeah, yeah, I'm just uh, hearing other, other chants when you've had a good chant. I mean, it is a bit like hearing. Guardiola's name something yeah. glad all over. Yeah. It's just never going to sound right, is it? No. That, that said, here's, here's, a, here's a weird one. Um, the Dulwich, I went to a Dorking versus Dulwich on on the Monday, Bank Holiday Monday, and the Dulwich fans, and I'm sure there are quite a few Palace in the Dulwich fans, they sing a version of most of the Palace chants and they, they put the, the Dulwich words onto them and, and actually make them... Pretty hilarious, actually. I'm not going to sing them, and I and I'm not not very good. A bit like regaling jokes, a bit like you, Jenny. Um, I'm not I'm not great at that. Oh, fair, but, probably, uh, fair, probably fair. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so there are a few Palace ones that 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 we will be very proud of that Dulwich have, have, have taken on themselves, and uh, we're, we're quite they're singing them quite well. I was quite Speaking impressed. of Dulwich, I forgot to say this earlier, but I was look I got the teams up earlier when you were saying about the Palace players being in there. Yeah, um, there's two more Palace players in the Dulwich lineup from the weekend. I think they are former Palace players. Um, Jack Holland yes yes he, he, and, I, think, I think that's the same Jack Holland I think it is I presume it yeah. is well I see, it kind of assumes so because I Palace has got a good relationship with those um, yeah. Gio McGregor he definitely played for us yes that's right you're spot on you're spot on and then Dom they've got some fantastic names in here are you ready uh, Chike Candy I hope I said loved, that name right I loved him on X Factor brilliant Chike Chike I hope I said that right apologies um, Jamie Splat <laughs> Great name. On a, a matter wonder. Jamie Splat. Yeah. Um, I assume that's what he does when he dives or something. I don't know. And then this is Jack. You'll love this one. Sanchez Ming. Oh, that is a good one. Sanchez Ming. Good Great one. Sanchez name. Ming. Is he a striker? What's Looks like he is. He's at the bottom of the list. So I'm yeah, guessing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you can't be a left back with a name like Sanchez Ming. No. You've got to be bagging. Do you remember yeah. there was that uh, Arsenal player called Sanchez Watts Sanchez who Watt. uh, went into non league and <laughs> he got sent off? Because the ref called him over and said, what's your name? And he went, what? 
And the rest said, right, no, seriously, what is your name? My name, what, my name is what? And he went, right, is a yellow for that. But seriously, what is your name? <laughs> and he got sent off. I will not have any comment made about refereeing in this country. <laughs> High quality. From so, the bottom of the pyramid to the top. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, let's, I think that's enough questions this week. Thank you very much, everyone who sent those in. Um, we're going to preview the game against Watford on Saturday after this short break. time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Right, welcome back to the Five Plan Podcast. Hey, final part wee, this week is previews, of course, and it's a big game against Watford. Roy Hodgson returning to Palace, and Palace uh, could, of course, relegate officially. Although I think they probably, I think their result that we're against Burnley probably did that for them, but officially relegate Watford uh, this weekend. So, of course, my head's all over the place when it comes to this game, but um, <laughs> it will be a chance for Palace to round off uh, or, or start to round off the season, hopefully, in positive form. As you can imagine, guys, we've got quite a few questions about the game this week. We don't normally get many question previews. Um, Leif Anderson's forehead. Hey, Leif. Hey, Leif's forehead. Are we all looking forward to relegating Harry the Hornet next Saturday? I think this is the person. No one's asking about Roy this week. They're all asking about Harry. And Ricky B is also back. And he said, given the opportunity to relegate Watford, can we avoid being gloatits? Gloatits? Gloatits. G-L-O-A-T-E-T-S. Didn't know that was a word. Like the clowns, I'm guessing that, oh, like Shelton, and stay classy. And then he's added, although Harry the Hornet can do one. So very much still in the same Can't bracket. guarantee that. Can't guarantee yes. that, Ricky. <laughs> can't, can't, sorry. I, um, I have to admit, actually, Jack, I'm a bit, <laughs> obviously, split over this. Uh, not for the reasons that most fans like to joke about. Because, um, yes, while Harry the Hornet is an incredibly annoying personality in football, and uh, I, I, I've got inside intel the fact that the guy used to be an absolute, just an absolute piece as well uh, from someone that used to be a mascot for a, another team. Um, it is Roy coming back as well. And I still love Roy for what he did. So, so I'm split personally, but um, let's talk about Harry first. Cause I believe that you, this is actually personal for you. This is personal. This is like the sequel. And then it got personal. Um, <laughs> yeah. The biggest Twitter beef I think I've ever had boxing day, I think it was when Wilf had a bit of beef with him. I think Sam Allardyce's first game, possibly. Yes, this would be 2016. 2016, yeah. That, yeah. Uh, just after Pardew had um, had been sent on his way. And I, I put something out on social media, uh, making a comment, rather crude comment about Harry the Hornet. Uh, Boxing Day went out, went to a family function, and had about 40 or 50 notifications from the disgruntled of Hertfordshire after uh, he had retweeted me being equally as crude. Uh, so, yeah, me and Harry the Hornet, I hope he doesn't travel. I hope, uh, <laughs> hope he stays 
stays north of the Thames. Hope he doesn't come down south. Do mascots travel? I don't think they well, do. I do don't they? think he will. I think after uh, some Palace fans revealed his identity, then oh, yes, um, I, I don't think he probably won't travel. <laughs> Mr. C. Grierson, wasn't that <laughs> in, a, in a Palace video or something? <laughs> I think it was actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if anyone does see a grown man in a Hornet outfit in uh, Sainsbury's at the White Horse End before kickoff, feel free to uh, give swat a bit him. of verbal. Uh, swat him. Yeah, that's what I Swat him. Oh, um, no, I, I will, you know, I'll applaud Roy. I hope Roy does get the reception he deserves. Um, I think the facts that he only had about 2,000 at his last home game last season due to the restrictions uh, was, was sad. And, and I think everybody that sees Palace as regularly as they do um, would want to applaud him. So I hope he gets a warm reception. But I, the, the reason why I'm so, I am gloating a little bit is because they're going down whatever happens. They're, I think even if they beat us, um, they're mathematically left with three games to go. There'd be nine points. But their goal difference, I hadn't realised, is horrendous. It's minus 37. So um, I think it's quite possible, yeah. um, depending on other results and whether kickoff time is um, for Burnley and Leeds. I don't know when they're playing at the weekend, but they may have the points that actually take then beyond the reach of Watford anyway. So. Every, everyone's at three this weekend, I think, or quite a lot. Of oh, three. right. Okay. Yeah. I know Everton are Sunday, but um, yeah, I, I think Watford, they, their recruitment, that's just let them down. Their home form has been terrible. Um, and yeah, they're, they're going to quickly follow Norwich back into the championship, I think. Yeah. I think, Dom, enough water has passed under the bridge that people that were very angry at Roy last season um, at some of the football, uh, probably hopefully now are into the more nostalgic period of a breakup and will give him the respect <laughs> he deserves. Because as Jack says, there wasn't many there in the last season. I was lucky enough to be there and 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 sort of wave Roy off and they did that really lovely guard of honour that was unexpected. Um, but this will be a chance for the whole stadium to, I think, thank him for the four years he's done. And enough time has passed now, but we're on to, to newer things that are going great. So I think it's a chance to just give Roy the appreciation. This is also a man who I think is retiring from football at the end of the season as well. So hopefully it'll be a nice reception. Heard that before. Ray Lewington said the other day that he didn't think he'd ever retire. <laughs> I mean, he's leaving Watford. They're, they're, is, they're it not leaving. Oh, is it? Is that not been? I thought I saw that was confirmed somewhere. No, have I got that wrong? I think he. I mean, he, he said the same thing. I mean, I did a I did a, a Zoom call with him prior to the Arsenal game last season um, where we spoke about retirement and um, he, he he thought that probably would be his last gig and then Watford came along and I, I, yeah I, I I do think he that was a that was a poor choice of of, of clubs to go to yeah um, yep. and it's it was a always someone that would take huge pride in in, in keeping a, a team in the division uh, against against the odds. Um, and but I think it was just stacked too much against him on on this one. They just don't have the resources, the personnel, and the quality to to well, to 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 make a a successful survival bid. Um, I really hope that people don't whinge about last season. I think I think if anything, the summer spend and the re- rejuvenation of Crystal Palace Football Club. Um, and the credit that, that Patrick Vieira, Dougie Freeman, Stephen Parrish have all lauded upon. <laughs> Douglas. It's going to be Douglas, surely, if you're doing Stephen. Oh, yeah, true. Oh, God. No, what did Roy, Roy, Roy always call him? Was it... Uh, Doug. Doug, Doug Freeman. Freeman. Doug Freeman. Yeah. Doug Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> Great, I mean, Great They've all gone out there. They've all gone out there and made the point that the, the weight 
Palace were in this position where they could rejuvenate their squad from a position of relative strength, as in an established Premier League club, because Roy had put had got them in that position. Okay, it wasn't great to watch. No, no one's going to pretend it was. I mean, Roy wouldn't pretend it was. He, I don't, you know, Roy wanted to play the type of football that we saw briefly towards the end of his first season, definitely towards the end of his second season, where Palace were finishing 11th and 12th in the division and getting 44 and 49 points respectively. But to then get 44 and 43 points or the other or vice versa from the next two seasons, I think was a bloody good achievement. And I hope that that in time people recognise that. Like I know, I know people wanted to see, people were desperate at a, with football behind closed doors and with lockdowns and COVID and generally miserable, miserable aspects of everyday life, they wanted to be entertained. And Palace weren't in a position to do that, unfortunately. But there was still some satisfaction to be gained from from survival, from from retaining Premier League status absolutely very, very comfortably each season. And winning last minute at Brighton with the most unjustified ever victory ever, 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 which was hilarious and sustained me for months. Um, it's, I, I think he, 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 he merits an excellent reception. And the, you know, the very fact that he'll, he'll be taking Watford down with him probably add to the reception. People will probably <laughs> appreciate it even more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I, I have nothing but respect for him and, and gratitude for to him for everything he achieved at Crystal Palace. And, yeah, yeah. and quite frankly, I'm bored of the whole, um, the, the willingness and the, the eagerness of some people to snipe yeah. about it. Just move on, for God's sake. I yeah. mean, Palace have. Why can't you? Yeah, quite, quite, quite. And he, he's no, no really... I meant you, JD. I meant you. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, because uh, Roy, any fans that are trying to take a swipe at Roy now, he doesn't care. He's moved on, as most people in football do anyway, and he's a respectful chap. Is that, it was actually Sammy Mockbull who has tweeted that Roy will retire at the end of the season. Oh, so that well, is, Sammy, that is, Sammy, Sammy knows his stuff, so yeah, maybe. Yeah, I was about to say, it's a fairly official source, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, although he has put, he's put in brackets, Sammy's put, uh, plans to leave Watford and retire for the second time. <laughs> Make of that what you will. I just think, Jack, it's going to be lovely to see Ray Lewington in shorts again on the touchline. I mean, oh. we have, we've missed that. Whatever you fancy, mate. Whatever you <laughs> fancy. Um, it's just nice. Yeah, it's going to be, I, you know, yeah, Ray will also get a, a solid round of applause as well, but I'm just looking forward to being at Palace at Sellers on a Saturday at three o'clock. It's been a while. So, um, yes. Or, or, or any afternoon kickoff, to be honest. It's, you know, after three Monday night games, because we're such box office now um <laughs> it's uh, it's nice to be nice to be planning a saturday with friends and family um and yeah really really looking forward to it um it's uh, it's gonna be a fun day i i, I think uh, if the sun's shining we've turned into some decent kind of end of season performances in the last few years as dom just kind of touched on that that leicester winner the five nil springs to mind something like that would be absolutely blinding <laughs> <laughs> i would take five nil if that's uh if that's what you're asking, not asking um, too much. <laughs> yeah, not asking too much. I do. I, I, I think Don touched on it in the last part about Alise, but you know, there's a chance that we could see quite an attacking lineup with with everybody fit and ready, um, with the you know relative stability in terms of league position and and uh, securing a place for next season. It might be a chance for Vieira to to flex out a little bit and 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 go for Watford. Uh, they'll be coming for us. They need the win. They they and anything but a win for them and a handsome win at that. Um, is, is not enough and even that's uh, probably uh, unlikely to be enough so it could be quite an open game of football I'm, I'm looking forward to it yeah I suspect I, I, I just think the exact same thing more minutes for Eze more minutes for Elise 
Fiera said last week that the likes of Edward will get more pitch time as well. So maybe you might see him as well. It's actually my last game at Sellers this season. So I'm on holiday for the Man United game. So I hope. Did the club know that? The I've, I've told the relevant people don't worry okay. yeah yeah it's fine it's fine i'm sure they'll give me a feed or some sort yeah, it'll, be, it'll be fine um so hopefully they can round off uh with a nice win and as jack says there dom maybe some more minutes and legs for for, for players that have uh, been waiting for a bit more pitch time yeah yeah i mean still gotta get a win you can't you can't just assume that you put all the creative players into the team that the the team is going to suddenly be more creative. I mean, weirdly, it doesn't work like that. And you need a you need the basis of it. But you've got you've got Macca and Connor, Connor Gallagher in there. I mean, I would imagine that that Will Hughes will be desperate to feature against his yeah. former club as well. Yeah. Um, but there is there are options. I'd like to see Mitchell restored if he's if he's fully fit again, just to offer that balance as well as as Joel has done filling in there. He does offer a different dimension to the. To the team, you've got a, a fullback who can bomb forward into the final third and, and yeah. provide that width. I think also, Dom, that uh, Ramadan has now finished. Yes. So I yeah. believe that uh, Czech and um, Jordan might be fasting. So I don't know if that means we might see Czech. Well, Jordan, Jordan played 90 minutes at Southampton, yeah, yeah. which was the first time in a long he's time a machine, he's done that. It? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And yeah, and, and you know, I don't know. I suppose you have to sort of balance between Jimmy Mack and, and Czech Chiarte as to how many minutes each gets. And Jimmy's obviously had these hamstring issues this season as well. So maybe he would be an obvious person to drop out. Watford physicality as well comes into it. I mean, I know Jimmy can hold handle himself quite clearly. Um, but but Chiarte, again, adds a bit of aggression and a bit of presence in, into that midfield. So maybe he comes back into it. But there are lots, there are lots of options. It's a great position for Vieira to be in. I mean, with, with only Nathan Ferguson really unavailable. And we want to see, you know, we want to see Gallagher getting good send-off in these last two games. Um, you want to see mm. Wilf pushing on to get, you know, swell this goal, goal tally. And there's, there's, he'll have his own incentive against Watford. There's, there's lots of lovely little subplots to this fixture. Um, and yeah, fingers crossed it all goes well and we get one of those sunshine basking yeah. r- rampant home wins at the end of yes. the season. That'd be lovely. Um, Jack, Burnley Villa is at the same time, 3pm. So transistor radios are plenty in the away end, I suspect, <laughs> for the Watford fans. What an, everyone digs them out, May time. <laughs> but Leeds don't play until radio? Sunday, so I think, we're, I think they, they, they can't, well, they can go there. If they win, they can, they'll, they'll stay, they'll still be in contention, potentially. But. Yeah, Leeds are at Arsenal on yeah. Sunday. It's a busy old game week coming up. Um, Anyway, that's it. It's been a busy old episode for us as well. Bumper episode this week, but thank you both for being here and sticking around. It's been an absolute joy talking to you as ever. Dom, it's been great having you on and hopefully only a few weeks left but hopefully we'll see you again before the end of the season fingers crossed nice to see you both see you soon that didn't sound very uh, confident at all but never mind um, and uh, Jack Pierce always good to have you back on mate so uh, I know you'll be back before the end of the season of course you're a regular now oh, thank you JD yeah well just uh, booking with my agent we share the same I share the same agent with uh, Czech Decore check him out <laughs> Yeah, Rock Nation Zoe. now, are you? Yeah, okay. Rock Nation. Yeah. Peter, Peter Zahavi, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Zoe oh, Zoe, left. yeah. Sorry, I thought you said Zahavi. Uh, no, no, uh, Zoe. Zoe's uh, left, Zoe. Yeah, left, yeah, left the industry, unfortunately. Although I'm still convinced that a, she's literally closed her agency, but I thought it was a very dramatic way of getting me off. Mm, you're putting her out of comedy. I accept that. Yeah, that's my word. 
Well, what an honor <laughs> I've had on the industry. Um, anyway, thanks for being here. Thank you for, to, to our listeners for their questions, to our patrons for your support, of course. And we'll see you all next week after that Watford game. And a post-match pod will be available Saturday evening for patrons, of course. But until then, enjoy the rest of your week and we'll see you again very soon. Goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network.